in the church. I wonder, you know, what the purpose was. And, and I know that pastors are wanting to, to uh, grow the church. And for me, usually I think through something for a long time before I start deciding, is this really of God? It's not just something to do. But I want to be sure that this is coming from God. And if it's coming from God, then it's something that we must do. And now I've finally realized that having small groups in a church is really of God. This is the way God has set it up. And I don't know how we missed it or I am, how I missed it. God wanted small groups in a church. It's always been that way. God wants it. You know, many people, or most people know of the afterlife. That there is going to be life after this life. Most people know that. The amazing thing in life is many people are not making any kind of preparation for the afterlife. No preparation. It's as if, let it just come. You're going somewhere you've never been. You don't know what awaits you there. How can you have a nonchalant attitude about life after this life? You're going somewhere. You are a spirit being. You are going somewhere after you die. No preparation. If you want a good career in life, don't you go to school to study and you prepare? And some people prepare for 12 years trying to have a decent career. Now you are going to a second life, which is, according to the scriptures, much longer than this life. You've never been there. You've been told that there is this life there. In some way in your heart, you believe that there is a life after this life, and you are making no preparation. And if you're making preparation, you are not really serious about the preparation you are making for this afterlife. There is life after this life. I've seen it on television. People said they die and they came back. They've been telling us. That there is an afterlife. What are you doing to prepare for life after this life? Let me let you know this. Life is much more tolerable if you are seriously preparing for the afterlife here on this earth. I guarantee you. It's much more tolerable if you are actively preparing for the afterlife there will be in life there's so much coming at us constantly troubles you you take care of one trouble another one shows up and sometimes they are of different colors you don't know how to deal with them it takes god to help us deal with this present life as you are preparing for the afterlife this life Life is a whole lot more tolerable if your mind is fixed on that. That's why Jesus encouraged us. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and forget about the rest of them. I'll add that to you. Preparation for the afterlife is better. That's what he's saying. You want to make it in this life? Oh, the joy, the peace, the hope that you receive. Knowing that there is a God that cares for you while you are in this life. Preparing for.
for the afterlife. It's so important. And I found out that there is no better way to prepare for the afterlife than to be involved in small groups. You all didn't know that's where I was going, right? <laughs> There's no better way. I found that. God has not ordained for you to go it alone. You can't make it by yourself. God saw that in Adam, the very first man. God created all things and he said, all good. But then he took one look at Adam and said, it's not good for the man to be alone. You are not made to go it alone. You cannot be successful on your own. You need somebody else. You need somebody else. It's easier to be lonely in the crowd. Much easier to be lonely, you know, in the crowd. But in a small group, which God has ordained for us, you can't have that. You can't be lonely because there's somebody there that you can talk to. A companion. Somebody, that's why we get married. So we're not on our own. But it goes further than that. That is just the example of God saying, you can't go it alone. You need somebody else. You cannot love the whole world. But God has commanded you to love people of the world. The demonstration to God that you really love him and you love the world is to love those that he has placed around you. Your small group. And that's the way God wants it. And I was reading in the scriptures, Matthew chapter 18, and we have our um, small group pastors. They're going to be coming to speak to us today, and we're launching this. And I'm encouraging everybody in our church, please, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, get yourself involved in a small group. If God has taught you something in life, and you know you got something, get involved in a small group. They will talk to you about this. Everyone, my goal is to make sure, because now I'm fully convinced, this is of God, and this is the way God ordained it for us to grow and to know him better in small group setting. I'm encouraging everybody to become a part of it. You will grow exceedingly, and God will begin to do things in your life that was not there before, because you are involved in it. The comfort that will come to you. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. He says, Assuredly, I like it when Jesus says, Verily, verily, King James, uh, traditional King James, and in this new King James, he says, Assuredly, in other words, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm telling you the truth. This, every time you see those words, Assuredly, or verily, verily, I say to you, He's showing you a spiritual law. As good as the law of gravity. That's what it is. Because it's the same mouth that created the universe. When he tells you, he says, I'm going to reveal a secret to you about life. About the universe. That's what he's saying. I'm telling you, this is the truth. He said, shortly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I believe that. Anything that I don't want to come into my life, I will tell you, stop. I don't want you. And if I use the name of Jesus, it's as if Jesus is saying to that thing, stop. I don't want you. And heaven says, amen. It's not going to come near you. That's what he's saying. 
whatever, notice the word whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Physical, spiritual, financial, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever means whatever. <laughs> Let's keep it simple. Amen. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth, lose some finances on yourself. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. But then Jesus said the word again. In other words, I told you before. But I'm going to tell you again. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, where? On earth. Not in the, on, moon, uh, on the moon. I mean, we're talking about the earth. You got to be on this earth. Not your brother that is dead. He can agree with you. Uh, two of you on the earth. That's what he's saying. Again, I say to you that if two of you ag agree on the earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I wonder why not just me? Why do I have to have somebody else? Because God did not design us to go it alone. You may be successful some going it alone, but you need somebody else. It takes two. The Bible says two is better than one. The more you have, the better in a small group setting. The problem in this matter now is not whether I'm alone. It's how I can find somebody who is going to be in agreement with me. If I can find somebody to agree with me, no matter what it is, Jesus said, we're going to get it as long as we are standing on this earth. The problem is getting everybody to be in agreement. That's the major problem. I shared it with the church. I had this lady that was dying in Georgia, and the, the mother called me, and I said, we're going to come into agreement. The doctors already said she's going to die. In fact, they were saying, before these kids get here, she'll be gone. And I said, well, let's agree together. And I said to her, please don't come out of agreement. Because people agree with you and then later they start thinking about the circumstance and they decide, well, I don't think that's going to work. We agreed that woman is still alive today. And I was basing that, what we were doing on this particular scripture. And I knew as long as we were in agreement, that woman would never die. And God confirmed it. She's still alive today. I believe one day she's going to be in our church because she's planning to come here to visit with us. So it takes more than that. And I notice that God has a big mission for himself on the earth. But even God cannot do it himself. He needs people. Amen. Even God cannot go it on his own. So he sent his son to persuade people to partner with him. So he can reach the world. He can't do it himself. You cannot go it alone. And for you to be really successful, you need a few people that can be in agreement with you. And that's what small group provide for us. Jesus had a bunch of multitudes of disciples, right? But he knew working with all of them is going to be hard to move all of them. He wants all of them 
but I, he cannot work with all of them at the same time. So he picked the 12. Amen. As a small group. And they asked questions. They interacted with him. They argued among themselves. And in so doing, they gained so much knowledge. And after he left, they were ready for the work. But they picked just 12. Showing us how important this is. In, Matthew, in, in Luke chapter 6, from 12 and 13, it says that now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. You see, it's so important. Jesus even spent time to pray before he picked his small group. And continued all night in prayer to God. You know, God, Jesus was saying, I need a group of people that I can send out to have one heart, and I can't use the multitude. So he went out and prayed, God, give me those people that can agree with me so I can pour into them. They can ask their questions and fight among themselves and all of that stuff. And you saw that in the scriptures. And when God's through, they are, they are equipped to do this great work that God wanted to do on the earth. It says, and when it was day, he prayed all night long. When it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. In other words, the ones he was going to send. The word apostle means sent. The ones he was going to send out. So he called his disciples, a lot of them. But then he picked just these 12. He had a lot of disciples. Nicodemus was one of them and many others, but he stayed with this group and taught them and they were constantly together, doing things together, eating together, fellowshipping together. They asked questions together, stuff. He did things for them. Look at what's happened because of that small group. Look at the leader got taken off. Another man stood. Amen. In his place. Jesus left. Peter took over. And he was not one of the brightest ones among the market. Because <laughs> he always put his, put in his mouth. But that's the way God works. He was ready. But even with that, you can notice, uh, even in the life of Jesus, even with the twelve, he also had another small group to himself. Did you notice? He had another small group to himself. So, what is that saying? Small group matters. You need them. Especially when there's, during times of trouble, we need them. You cannot go it alone. That's what I'm sharing with you. God wants you to be in a small group. That's where you will grow. Just coming to church every Sunday, that's not going to cut it. I'm telling you, it's not going to cut it. You will not really know God the way God intends for you to know him. Unless you are involved. That's when you can have your questions. I mean, it will stand. If, if somebody in the in congregation now puts his hand up and say, Pastor, while you are preaching, I have a question. Everybody will say, put your hand down. <laughs> He's preaching. You're not permitted to have questions from me. But you can talk to me in a small group, right? And we can debate that and look at scriptures. That's where, where is that? In small groups. Amen. 
Jesus had his own small group, and then he had three of them, Peter, James, and John. And when things were difficult, before he went to the cross, he called his disciples, they went to Gethsemane, but then he picked three of them before he prayed. He said, come, come with me. I, want, I need you guys to stay with me. Pray with me. That God, Jesus is God, but he needed these three guys that he knew had they, they, they had fully understood what he came for. And so he wanted them. We need each other. We need each other. Amen? Small group began in the New Testament also. I'm going to read the scriptures and I'm going to go real quick on this. It says, so continue, Acts 2, 46 and 47. It says, so continue daily with one accord in the temple. Everybody say church, church building, church building. So continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their bread, their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, not just in the church, but at home, right? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And guess what the result was? And the Lord added to the church, how often? Daily. How often did they meet in the temple and from house to house? Daily. Right? That's what it says. Let's read it again. So continuing daily with one accord. They were in agreement. Daily with one accord. In the temple, and then from house to house, breaking bread with gladness of heart. As they were doing that, God kept adding people to the church. What does that say? Small group matters. House to house fellowship matters. As we do that, God begins to birth new children into his kingdom. The disciples were not the ones adding the people. Who was adding? God was adding. Because they were doing what he ordained. This is what Paul said in Acts chapter 20 verse 20. He says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaiming it to you and taught you publicly in the church and from where? From house to house. They were doing it then. They were taught not only in church, but from house to house this thing is ordained by god and that's what we want to do amen let me show you the power of a small group if you read in acts chapter 13 there were few believers including um barnabas paul and uh, prof the prophet agabus and the rest of them just a few men they were praying and fasting before god just few people in fellowship they were fellowshipping with one another and were fasting and ministering. He said they were actually ministering to the Lord. Not big church, just this few group of people doing this. They had a big church, but the leaders decided we need a small group to ourselves. And so these prophets, including Paul, Barnabas, and the rest of them, they were all having a group meeting, praying, fasting before God. And it says in Acts 13 verse 2, it says, and and they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. That's when God spoke, not in church, but in this small group. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, 
for the work to which I have called them. It was in a small group setting that God called Paul and Barnabas. Now, look at more than two-thirds of the New Testament written because of that call that came from a small group meeting. Paul is considered one of the greatest men that ever lived. In fact, the second. His call came on this day when God says, you go to the Gentiles now. And that's why all of us are here, right from a small group meeting. What our church wants to do with this is taken out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. It says, Him we preach, that's Jesus we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Him we preach. In our church, what that means is our Sunday morning experience. Just what we're doing now. Now, in the United States, we are told that possibly about 80% of people who don't go to church, they did a survey and 80% of Americans say, I'll go to church if somebody will just invite me. When I came to the United States in the... Uh, um, Late 70s, early 80s, I, I used to, I love to witness, and I go knocking on people's doors. I knock on their door, and they'll open the door and say, hey, and I say, my name is Goodluck. And they say, oh, wow, your name is Goodluck. They'll laugh. How did you come about that name? They say, I like the name because it opened door for conversation. <laughs> they say, how did, who gave you that name? Is that your real name? I say, yeah, it's my real name. And they say, well, I want to talk to you about God. And they'll say, oh, come on in, come on in. And I will sit down with them and I can spend maybe an hour talking to them. You know what happens to me today? Still good luck. I knock on their door and I tell them my name is good luck. You know what they do? They crack their door open and they put their fist in and say, what do you want? They don't want me to, if, I, if my eyes roam in their home, they shut the door immediately. They don't want you in there. Nobody invites you in anymore. In those days, you pick up people as you're driving and you can drive. Nobody does that anymore. The, the world has changed. But we have to find a way to get them to God. And the best way to get them to God is to invite them to church when you know them. Keep inviting them. They will eventually come. And so our Sunday morning experience, the praise and worship and all of that is good for what God wants to do. Secondly, it says, warning every man. You can't warn somebody unless you are in the person's face, right? We use our small group meeting to do that. We use our small group meeting to do that. So you are in touch with somebody. They see what's happening in your life. They can tell something is going wrong. What's happening to you, brother? And they say, well, you're doing this. You should stop doing all of this. That's where small group matters. I don't know what's going on in your life, but if I'm around you constantly, I know you. And if you're not happy, I can tell something is going on. Brother, what's going on? And we can talk. That's where this happens in small group. Telling, teaching every man, we use, that's discipleship, we're using our growth track. And we have our growth track. If you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, find your place in the body of Christ to work. We have every Sunday, we have somebody teaching back there, helping you to find your place in the body of Christ so you can serve. I can't serve in Nigeria right now. I'm in America. 
this is where I ought to serve. So here, if you are a part of this church, we want you to serve. We use the growth track to help you get disciples so you find your place. And then it says, presenting every man perfect. How do we present people perfect to God when we get to heaven? No, right here. That means you join the dream team. Can I hear an amen? You join the dream team. That way you are serving God. Because when God went to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me, right? Absolutely no. Let my people go that they may serve me. When you get to the place where, you are, where you're serving God, they we are actually now presenting you before God holy and acceptable. That's what this is all about. And our church wants to get involved in all of this. Our, vision, our purpose is to reach everyone with the life-changing message of the Lord Jesus Christ and to make sure that they are full disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus. Our vision is to raise up People who know God, people who fear God and obey God, and they worship Him. And our mission is to promote healthy relationships through our small group meetings that we believe will empower them to serve God. In small group meetings, you grow. You know, we had a group in... uh, in, uh, Pastor Addison Church while I was in Georgia. It was Kayafa. That was very, we had it uh, called Agape Fellowship. And then Kayafa came from the Assemblies of God. And then because we are of the AG, we adopted that Kayafa. And just a few of us, I don't, I think probably about five people or more from that little group are pastors today around the United States. One of them is actually a professor in a Bible college. The pastor of the church right now that Pastor Addison built was one of the leaders of Caiapha. He's now the senior pastor of that church from this little small group where we played guitar and worshiped together and talked to one another. One of them was a missionary to China for a number of years from that little small group. Not from the main church, that little group. So it's very important that we belong to a small group and we want to introduce that. I'm going to ask uh, both uh, Shelly and uh, Pastor Al, please come over and they'll be sharing with us this morning. Please be patient with us. We have to get this going. And our special guest, please be patient with us. It's very important to us. And uh, you'll see how important this is for us as uh, we continue. Well, good morning. Thank you, Pastor. I'm Pastor Al. This is Pastor Shelley. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, we've been in the church for a long time. We were the children's pastors for seven and a half years. We've been at the Ark for eight years. We just started our eighth year, or we'll begin our eighth year shortly. But when Pastor asked us about small groups, and I think he just did a great job of establishing uh, theologically, spiritually, what can be gained out of that. But I want to encourage everybody here. We already do it. We already get together. People are going to lunch after church. People are visiting. People get together. We already do this. This is very natural, and I think you'll see that this is very natural. But I really want to encourage you to to step out. I know many of you, it's the new year. You're praying. We've been fasting. We're not fasting. You know, (laughs) but you've been praying. This is a way for 
everyone to get involved and everyone to stay involved. Because I can tell you right now, when the enemy gets you one-on-one, he's got his way with you. When you're together with another believer, you just saw the scripture, he doesn't have a chance. Amen? Amen. All right. So we, uh, can you start our little slide presentation? So we put together just a few slides. We're just going to take a few moments. We wanted to introduce ourselves to you, also introduce some of the things that we're looking at. Uh, like I said, we already do this. This is very natural. The goal is to meet at least a, a couple times a month, uh, so it's not very taxing. But here's some examples of some small groups that we put together just briefly in literally about three minutes last night. And like I said, some of you may already be doing this, but, uh, you know, a Bible study, a book club, uh, anything related to sports. My son's in a, in a bowling league, and they were telling me that there's multiple churches that have bowling leagues at Copperfield Bowling. And they get together on a Wednesday night, and they get together and they bowl, and they, you know, they get their scriptures out, and they fellowship. This is always about fellowship. It's about communication. Uh, but just, just some thoughts here. Uh, I know many of the men like to shoot. I know many of the women like to cook. So many of the men like to eat, you know, cooking and eating. I put those together. I know uh, Rhonda's already started a running club, and uh, she likes to run. And the way she did it, she did it kind of progressively. So the first part of her group, you get together and walk. Then you have a snack. And then for people that want to run, they stay and they run. So if you time that just right, you can land right there for the snack. <laughs> hit and run. And Get run. It? Hit and run. Eat and run. So if, if you time that just right. But, you know, other things, you know, playing games, cards, dominoes, darts. I mean, I know shuffleboard, there's many games out there. Um, and then crafts. My wife has gone to a craft night for a number of nights, and I'm not sure what they do, but it seems to bring her great pleasure, so it brings me great pleasure. Yeah, every Tuesday night, there are already some ladies from the church who get together, and everybody brings whatever craft they're working on, but yeah, those are just some examples, and it's supposed to be just fun and life-giving, and it's doing the things that you already like to do, so if you already run, you're just getting some people to go run with you, and talking about some scripture while you're out there praying for each other. Um, the small group leaders will be praying for the people in their small groups all week. So you're going to have prayer coverage. And I was reading something this week in a magazine, and it was talking about the word support and how it means um, you're helping someone to achieve their potential. So we're just lifting each other up. We're all making each other better. Iron sharpens iron. You're going to learn from each other grow with each other, grow in your relationship with the Lord. So I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. So I'm sure you're asking yourself, what are the qualifications of a small group leader? And uh, it's really simple. There's three simple qualifications. First of all, you got to be able to encourage people. I can tell you right now, people like to be around other people that are like-minded, but people like to be around people that lift them up. And the enemy may tell you, you're the only one going through something. I can tell you that's a lie. You know, I can tell you right now, if you're married and have children, we're all going through a lot of the same challenges, whether it be television, whether it be Internet, whether it be gaming. I can't tell you the amount of, you know, the amount of conversations I've had, how much baseball is too much baseball when your kids are playing select, and why does that feel like my job now when it's supposed to be fun? You know, you know what I'm saying? And so when we get together and we share our thoughts and ideas, you know, and we encourage one another, something amazing happens. We get to have those breakthroughs, right? Second one is sharing scripture. If 
it's the new year, and you've been praying to God, and you've been fasting. And, uh, you know, when you're fasting, you just have a lot of time to think about things you normally wouldn't think about because you're not eating all the time. At least that's the way it is for me. But, uh, you know, sharing scriptures. I, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, Pastor Goodluck or Wayne and myself or Chris Quintez and I just got together. Where's Chris? Is Chris in here? Chris, you know, we, we get together and we, we, we share things and we, we talk about scriptures. We talk about our lives, where we are. You know, it's almost an accountability thing. I, I think, you know, it's our job to be accountable for sharing the scriptures of God. And uh, as a pastor, that's not something that I take lightly. We really need to know our scriptures. Because I can tell you right now, when you know what scriptures to stand on, at least in my life, I'm a lot better. My capacity's deeper. My capabilities are greater. I'm a better husband to my wife. I'm a better father to my children. Because those scriptures, they edify who I am. You see, we're not our circumstances. We're who God's called us to be. Amen? So sharing scriptures is very important. And then finally praying, getting together and praying. So, and so, you know, as pastors, we're going to be praying for the leaders. These are the only three qualifications of, of leadership. So if you've been praying and fasting and asking the Lord, how can I get involved? How can I do this? You know, here's your chance, okay? And it's important that, you know, not only do you pray for your group, but you, you pray for us as pastors. We're going to be praying for you. But something amazing happens when you start praying about things. You become like-minded. Amen? And you have breakthrough. Okay. In your bulletin, um, you all have a card that we're going to ask everyone to fill out. And um, there's just a place for your name and your contact information. But what we really want you to do on the side, it says my hobbies and interests. So we do need small group leaders. In order to have small groups, we have to have people who will lead a small group. I know the Rodriguez's have talked about at some point doing a Bible study um, with a book. And um, again, Rhonda's doing the running one. And so we need people to be small group leaders. So on here, there's a place for you to check if you would like to lead a small group, um, a place for you to mark if you'd like to attend a small group, and then some hobbies and interests that you have. Um, there may not be anyone right now who has said they would lead a small group with that particular interest or hobby, but if there are a lot of people who have the same interest, maybe we can get you guys together and come up with a plan. Um, so we're going to have you fill this out today, and later in the offering, you can put it in the offering, please. And the last thing we're going to go over real fast is the calendar for small groups. Um, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be picking up these cards. And uh, we will be calling the people who have said that they're interested in leading a small group. Um, on January 25th, we're going to have a dinner up here at the church, and we'll have a training for the small group leaders. And um, like we said, it's easy. It's nothing to be afraid of. And so sometimes God wants us to step out of our comfort zone. And when we do that, amazing things happen. And you are going to be blessed beyond imagination, I know. Um, February 2nd, we're going to introduce the small group leaders during the church service up here. We'll let you know who the leaders are. 
February 9th, you will be able to sign up for small groups after service. And the 16th is the week that the small groups are going to begin. So if you think you might like to have one, but you're not really sure about everything right now, you've still got several weeks to get your small group together and what you want to do. So you've still got four or five weeks to be thinking about it, think about how you'd like for it to go. And um, again, your small group can meet once a week. The small group leader gets to decide when and where and for how long you're going to meet. You might meet once a week for an hour or two. You might meet every other week, you know, for three hours on a Saturday. But you get to decide how you're going to do it. And it's to fit in with what you're already doing. So it's going to be fun. Um, Last thing I want to remind everybody is uh, the pastors of the small groups. We're here to encourage you. We're here to help coach you, teach you, train you, here to support you. We'll be praying for you. So we appreciate the opportunity. Pastor, I want to speak with you. Uh, You know, we're broadcasting in Nigeria, and I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit never lies. After, After they hear you, they're getting in small groups. They're getting together. They're, they're talking about the word. They're talking about the scriptures. They're talking about what did he mean when he said there's five of them? <laughs> Amen. Thank you very much. You have to have been in our church to get that. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Yes, please. Sorry. Um, also, the semester for this small group is going to be 12 weeks. So if you do this, it's not like you're, you know, going to be in charge of something for five more years. You know, it's for a short period of time. It's for 12 weeks. And then when that session of small groups is over in the summer, we're going to take a break. And then when the fall comes around, we'll be starting all new small groups. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, One thing that uh, we want to do with our small group meeting, for example, if you, if you, know how to fix cars and stuff like that and have people in your group that can fix cars and you notice our family that's having a problem there and you talk to us in the church here uh, we can raise some money in the church to just bless that family you fix their car guess what will happen the next Sunday they want to be in your church amen (laughs) that's how but you see you are winning people for heaven But we just read in Sunday school this morning, you cannot do anything for God in vain. God himself said, I didn't tell the children of Jacob to serve the Lord in vain. You cannot serve God without being blessed. It's just not going to happen. So when you reach out, like Angela was saying early, you give, God gives back to you. I want to share some testimonies with you. We said today, and it's offering time, please take your offering envelope. I came ready to give, and uh, it's always good to give to the Lord. 